Hello, Generation P246. Hello, Bobcat Nation. Hello to you who's tuned in right now. I want you to know you matter to God. We're going to go into God's Word right now and find truth to live our life. Are you ready? Let's dive into it. Our subject for today's message is, what does it mean to trust God? Or what does trusting God look like? Let's say a quick prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It's already anointed. Bless us, prepare our hearts to receive this and help us to put this word into action. Make us better, help us to love you more in Jesus' name. Amen. Trust for the purpose of our message today is going to be defined this way. To confide in, to have a firm belief and reliability in something or someone so as to be secure and without fear. Trust. This is how we define it. And our key text for today is going to be from 1 Samuel chapter 30, from verse 1 through 6. And we are going to jump to other verses like verse 8 and then verse 18. In 1 Samuel 30 from verse 1, this is what is happening. David and his men are returning home, and this is what happens there. Now it happened when David and his men came home to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and taking captive the women and those who were there. From small to great, they did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was, burned with fire and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. This is such a sad story. They've been out, they returned home, and they had been invaded their families have been taken captive. Such an, a, a terrible situation. And I want to ask, this is the situation that David and his men faced. They lost everything. They lost their family. They lost their investment. They were, they, they were completely, completely taken by surprise. And this situation was not one anyone would hope for or wish for. But your situation and my situation may not be exactly like this, but we may be able to still identify that there is an adverse situation that poses danger or the risk of danger. It could be just life, just dealing with life. It could be a financial situation. It could be an emotional or relationship issue. It could be in different context, but the reality is adversity and trouble is part of life. So it's not really a question of if it happens, but it's when it happens. And I just want to say as a side note here, reading from this text, the men that were with David and David, the scripture said they wept until they had no more power to weep. Now, when adversity strikes and when difficult moments happen, I want 
us to know it's okay to cry because we've been raised up to have this understanding that crying is something for the weak when it's just human to cry and God gave us all those tear ducts so you use them when you are in that situation and you feel like doing it just cry and let it go it's not a sign of weakness it might even be a sign of your strength to acknowledge the reality and allow yourself to express it and grieve that way or console that way so they wept till they had no more power to weep let's continue in our story and in verse 6 now david was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved every man for his sons and daughters and that situation that we see here right now i want you to just focus on the words greatly distressed and grieved that is a picture of pain of danger of difficulty needing help and as much as as much as this um situation is not pleasant it is such moments that necessitates or heightens our need to trust heightens our need to trust something or trust someone and so when when we're experiencing difficulty or anything that causes pain or, or we have a looming danger there is this tension that is created in us and in our in our environment and in that situation it requires our attention you cannot ignore it and that gives us an opportunity to respond and when we are responding we can either do something on our own or in this situation we can choose to trust God to lead us through that situation so what does it mean to trust God and we are going to look at that so first we have to acknowledge that there is going to be that situation that causes that tension and that makes it even more important for us to start thinking about what do I do and who do I trust and how do I get through this moment? So that tension, it can be different and you might be facing a tension right now. It could be an economic tension. It could be a job insecurity. It could be a relationship issue or something in the family. Whatever it is that causes that tension, that gives you that headache, that gives you that sleepless night, is just creating that atmosphere for you to make a decision. How am I going to respond to this tension? Am I going to do something about it on my own? Or am I going to trust God to work with me through this moment? And here's what trusting God looks like. First Samuel 30, let's go to verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed. The people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people were grieved. Every man for his son and daughter. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now that's our first note and key takeaway right there. David strengthened himself. He found strength in God. In the midst of adversity, David found strength in God. Now, this is what that looks like. David rested in God. And that's our first point. You might be saying, hey, hold on, Nana. 
we are in adversity we need to respond and your first point is resting yes it sounds counterintuitive but that is exactly what god wants us to do now here is what i mean by rest resting in our knowledge and confidence of god our knowledge of his sovereignty our knowledge of his nature as god our knowledge of his goodness and our knowledge of the redemptive work of his son jesus on the cross for our sake that is what we rest in we rest in that confidence and that knowledge that god is god god is sovereign god is good and god has all the power he's won the victory already through jesus christ and god is for us we rest in that knowledge and that what that does is that it frees us up it, it makes us free we, we, we let go of all the pressure because god doesn't want us to go through that adversity thinking and worrying and feeling so much pressure that we have to do this we have to do that he wants us to rest and be in that state of peace and quiet and understand that we are victorious in him and we can fight from that place of peace rather than from a place of 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 adversity and anxiety and 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 turmoil so this is so key we have to understand that there is the reward of peace is at stake so anxiety will steal that peace away from us and that's why god invites us to rest in him in matthew eleven twenty eight, this is how the scripture puts it come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest so that's our first key takeaway trusting god means resting in god and take note of this resting in god is looking to god keeping our mind and our gaze on him Although it may not appear that way, this is a bold sign and affirmation of our confidence and an expression of our faith in God's nature, his ability and his sovereignty. So we can rest in that knowledge. In Isaiah 26 verse 3, this is how the scripture puts it. You will keep him in perfect, perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So by focusing our mind on God, we benefit from that peace that we are always secured in God. Resting in the midst of adversity. We are affirming our confidence in God when we rest. Now the Bible puts it this way also in Ephesians 2 verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins he gave us life when he raised christ from the dead it is only by grace that you and i have been saved for he raised us from the dead along with christ and he seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united in Christ. I just want you to take note of the word seated us. Like I'm, my posture right now, I'm seated. And it's a position of rest. Seated in heavenly places. We are not up and about. We are seated in a place of authority 
in Christ Jesus. And this is true for anyone who has accepted the redemptive work of Christ on the cross and has a personal relationship with Jesus. You, you have been reborn. You have been made anew. And you are in that position of authority in Christ. And that's so key. So our first move when it comes to trusting God is resting in him. Now let's continue in our text. We are in verse 7 of 1 Samuel 30. And David said to Abitha the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abitha brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And that is where our second keynote or our second point is. So David inquired of the Lord. His family has been taken. His, his, his investment has been taken. They are just down and out. And although it seems obvious what to do in this moment of tension, it is so critical that we learn this key. David inquired of the Lord. What does that mean to us? Our second point goes like this. Trusting God means seeking his heart concerning that matter. Now, whatever tension you are dealing with, maybe something that is happening in the family, an investment or a property, and, and, and you are wondering, should I go for that loan? Should I switch jobs? Should I change location? Will this help? Will the, should I exit this relationship? You are in a tension. You, 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 you need to first start from that place of rest. But this is your second point. We have to seek God's heart concerning that matter. It is so critical. Because although sometimes your inaction or your delay might be interpreted as cowardice, and if you're leading a family, there's the expectation for you to act. Or maybe you're leading a small team of entrepreneurs and you are thinking, um, if I do not act, this business is going to crash and, and you have to make a move and you don't want to seem sluggish. But all the voices that are drowning you and saying, come on, what are you saying? What are you doing? They all have an opinion. They all have a perspective. You want to prioritize the voice of God over and above all those voices. So by seeking the heart of God in that matter, you are saying God's voice matters to you most. And what is God's perspective on that situation? Do you make a move? Do you stay? Do you change something? Do you change a setting action? What, what is God's heart concerning that matter? And in seeking God, you are pursuing him. Now you're trying to get his perspective and this can, can, can be applied in a different way based on the context you are in. It might require us studying his word and digging deep in the word and, and going deep to find what he's saying concerning that matter. It might be something that from your experience with God and your experience in the word, you know what his heart is on that matter already. So I'm not suggesting in every situation when you even need to act, 
in the spare of the moment, you want to bail out and say, give me three days and I'll be back with an answer after I have sought the face of God. No, ideally, we should be in communion with God, in relationship with God, that we are always in tune with him. But in that moment, based on the context you are facing or the challenge you are facing, seeking God can be just a prayer you whisper in that moment, God, I need you. Help me. And a text comes to mind in Nehemiah. Nehemiah was serving a king in a foreign land and his countrymen were in trouble. The walls of Jerusalem and the gates were broken down and he wanted to, 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 he had this and he wanted to go help. And he wanted favor in the sight of the king. And one time he was serving the king and the king said, why do you look so down? What do you want? And the scripture said, I think this is Nehemiah um, 2 verse 4. The scripture said, in that moment, Nehemiah prayed to God. Let's read that. Nehemiah 2 verses 4. Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if it's, if I found favor in your sight, I asked that the king will send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. And this looks like a prayer in the spare of the moment. But if we read this story in full, you'd realize that Nehemiah had been praying and fasting and seeking God's face even before he did this um, two-minute prayer or two-second prayer. So the context and the challenge will determine what seeking God looks like. It could be a season of waiting on God, just praying about one thing and asking God to show you the way. It could be a season of searching the scriptures to find the truth. It could be a, a spare of the moment thing when you pray and we have testimonies and, and, and evidence in scripture that shows that God does hear us. And even sometimes those emergency prayers, yes, he will answer. But we have to understand that the context and the desire is for us to be in fellowship with God and not seek God just to bail us out when we are in a, a moment of adversity. I mean, if you're dealing with youthful lust, you, you know what God's heart is on that matter already. You are in a situation or you're in a context where you are being tempted and, and, and is lustful. Second Timothy 2.22 says it already, flee flee that is what you have to do so if you're going seeking what does god say in this situation he says to flee he says to run he says to take your legs and run <laughs> just get out of that environment there's another scripture i've forgotten where it is maybe in, Th in thessalonians it says that abstain from all appearances of evil things that will tempt you and lure you into sin abstain from it so when we talk about seeking god's heart on the matter some of it is black and white you know it flee youthful lust you know it but you will not have it black and white in the scripture quit job x and apply for job y or get married to sister b or sister a or sister c or leave brother a or brother b or brother c so you have to go deep into the word and you have to pray and you have to seek God's face. And then your heart will be led by God's spirit to the truth. So the situation is not always 
one way but your context and the challenge would determine how you apply this second point of seeking God. Now, as you're listening to me right now, this is a moment when God can be talking to you. He can be just, you have a tension that you're dealing with and God is assuring you of his presence and God is leading you through the scriptures and through this word and guiding you to the truth and telling you to maybe let go or pursue something else or do this or do that. He would impress it on your heart. You would know it and you would feel it. Let's go on in our message today. Now, going on into what does it mean to trust God? The third point or the third key note here is found in verse 8. So in verse 8, the scripture said, And David inquired of the Lord, and he answered him. And God said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail you will recover all. Without fail, you will recover all. And that's so important. The, the, the fact is that when we seek God, he will answer. We will find him. He speaks expressly. There are scriptures that say, in times past, God spoke to our fathers through visions and dreams. And in this last days, he continues to speak to us by his spirit. Hebrews. And that is what God is doing. He speaks to us. But we have to understand that there is a concern when you seek God and you hear from him and he finally speaks. He leads you through through a vision or a dream, through a man or woman of God, through through the scriptures. He speaks to you through one voice or the other. Will you obey that word after you've sought him and you've heard from him? Will you obey it? That's the concern. Because sometimes we seek him, we hear from him in that adversity, but we begin to rationalize if that word makes us too uncomfortable, if that, the interpretation of that word requires us to do something that we are not ready to do. We sometimes want to find a different interpretation that will suit our convenient position because we are bent on not moving. We want to do this anyway. So it doesn't matter what the word says concerning it. It doesn't matter what God is saying concerning it. It doesn't matter what the word of God coming to me through my pastor is, is saying concerning it. I am bent on doing this either ways. So I'm going to twist some other scripture to satisfy my position of convenience and that's the challenge that we have sometimes we are trusting god we want to trust god but we are not ready to let go so my third point for us today is trusting god means doing what god says trusting god means promptly obeying the voice of God when he speaks one challenge or the other may come but when God speaks to us we want to obey his voice and this is a note I wrote down trusting God means promptly obeying the voice of God when he speaks and even when the details or the destination isn't fully known moving in confidence because we know God is with us. And that's so key. That part about the details and the destination is something we struggle with. So you heard from God 
but you don't have all the details and that's the that's what is going to be most of the time you just have a glimpse of what he's doing you just don't have anything but you have his word but can you be in that place where you are fully rested in god and you can say that christ is enough for me his voice matters to me what he says is what i will do that is enough if i have his word i'm gonna go with it or do you want to have an idea of what does the destination fully look like what will the details be like what are the processes going to be like from one step to the other you may not get that but that is what it means to trust god to hold on to his word and to do it even when the details or the destination isn't fully known now here's why i believe we struggle with this because we really want to be in control so our struggle is one of an unwillingness to surrender and an unwillingness to to or, or a desire rather to know the details at every step of the journey and that is just know what trusting god looks like trusting god looks like this a little boy or a little child standing on a high table and just letting himself or herself go and falling into the arms of his father that is what it looks like. You trust God. You don't know the details, but you know he is God and he won't fail you. Let's go on. So our third point is trusting God means doing what God says and doing it promptly. Now, I know that sometimes we have an expectation, but the truth of the matter is it may not always turn out that way. In fact, not all the tensions that we are engaging or that we feel will be resolved or at least will be resolved the way we envision it to be resolved. But we continue seeking him. We affirm that Christ is enough for us and he will come through for us and he will do a great work in us. Sometimes it will take time for us to come around and appreciate what God is doing in us or through us or for us or by us in that moment of adversity. But when we choose to trust him, we should not lose hope. So I encourage you, if you're trusting God and you're still trusting and you're still trusting, don't lose hope and don't go ahead of God and don't let go of him. We find hope and assurance through the scriptures and the testimony of others that God is faithful and he can be trusted. Here's how the scripture puts it in Romans 15 verse 4. So for, for anyone who is still trusting God and it seems it's taking so long, this is a word for you. Romans 15, 4. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. So my prayer for you if you're still trusting, is that God will give you the grace to wait patiently for that promise to be fulfilled. But my concern for everyone of us who is now contemplating, should I trust, should I not trust, is, or my question is, will you surrender? Will you surrender fully? Will you surrender? Now we have to understand that Beyond that problem that causes the tension, 
which initially compelled us to act on our own or to trust God beyond that problem, God has a purpose that he wants to accomplish in us. So don't get blinded by the problem or the pain or that tension. We want to find the purpose in it. So we may just see ourselves at the end of that tension and say, this is what I want to get at the end. More money, a new relationship, a new position, a new location. But what God really is interested in is not any of those things or places, but you. God is interested in you. And he wants to form in you and refine in you and shape in you and me. He wants to form in us the character of Christ, Christ likeness. And that is his purpose for us. And that is his goal for us. So through that moment of adversity, there is an opportunity for us to form our character to look more like Christ. And that could mean a change in your spending habits when you are praying for financial miracles. And that could mean a, a, a p- more patience uh, when you are praying about a failed relationship. And that could mean uh, uh, just having 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 more love and tolerance and having that, that fruit of the spirit and being more Christ-like. That is the goal. And that is where God is hoping for us to get to, to be more like Christ. So when we face that tension, which will be an adverse situation, despite the source of that tension, here's what we should remember. Usually that season or that situation can become a turning point or a stepping stone for us to make great leaps in our spiritual growth. So I want us to realize that not all things will be known. And I'm wrapping up and closing here. Not all things will be fully known. But trusting God requires that we completely surrender and fall into his arms rather than trying to figure it on our own. So our first keynote was resting in God. You want to rest in that confidence of his sovereignty, his love and his goodness. And from that place of rest, you want to seek God's heart concerning the matter. That was our second point. See, you can make a spontaneous decision in the spare of the moment. But if you don't have spiritual insight, that decision can cost you. So you want to seek God's heart. And then our third point is you want to do what he says. You want to do what he says. Our final scripture is in Proverbs 3 verse 5. And here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. The Lord bless you. I want you to know he is with you and for you. And I want you to know he loves you. Now, as we close out with prayer, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you have never accepted Jesus into your life and you do not have that personal relationship with him, I'm going to pray with you and you're going to ask God to come into your heart. And after that, I'm going to pray for all of us 
and we are going to close out. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. I pray with my brother or sister on the other side right now who is distant from you and doesn't have that personal relationship with you. And I ask for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. Now, if you are that one who is on the other side right now, you want to say this with me, but this is your confession to God. That God, I'm sorry. I have sinned against you. And I didn't sin because I did one act or the other. I sinned because my nature is sinful. And I have failed to accept your salvation and your deliverance through Jesus Christ. But this day, I turn a new leaf because I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I ask that Jesus will cleanse me with the blood and make me new. Give me your spirit and make me a new creation. I thank you for your love. I thank you for accepting me in Jesus' name. Now I'm going to pray again for every one of us as we close out. And I trust that this message has been a blessing to us all. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. We belong to you, God. You are our Father. We are your children. And you are calling us to surrender. Thank you for the word. We declare that we have confidence in your ability. We have confidence in your character. We have confidence in your sovereignty. Yes, we feel attention. Yes, there is a problem at hand. And that compels us to make a move. And although several voices are speaking to us, we want to rest in you. We surrender. We surrender our lives, we surrender our will, we surrender the details and the desire to know the destination, we surrender it all. And yes, the process may change, the destination may not even look like what we wished for, but the rewards of our spiritual growth is worth it. So we choose to trust you. We know that you are preparing us. And as we walk with you through the process, you are forming in us the character and you are strengthening our faith and preparing us for service and equipping us to comfort and help others who would face similar adversities in the future. So may this purpose become our focus and not the problems or the tension that we find ourselves in. We ask for your help, Lord Jesus, and we ask that you help us right early. And if it seems to tarry, help us to wait. May we reap the earthly and eternal rewards of trusting you. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. God bless you.